Please pray with me. Father God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would attend the proclamation of your word. That as we open our, our hearts to those things that you have for us, we might hear from you with clarity and with power. And that we might go from this place touched and transformed by your grace. And all for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Well, what a fun day. What a wonderful moment we're at uh, to come to this place and to be able to, to celebrate the, the new thing that God is doing at King of Kings. Uh, I've been along this journey with you. I know what this last year uh, has held for so many of us, but today we're here to celebrate that new thing, the 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 bringing of the Pensons to Charlotte, Joel stepping into this role as your rector. But, but even more so, I want to say the, the new things that God is going to do with each of you, the releasing of gifts and new opportunities in the life of the body that, that tends to come along with these seasons of transition. I'm so thankful for uh, the Lord's faithfulness throughout uh, this journey of transition that King of Kings has been on. And thankful that you, the people of God in this place, have persevered. And that you've remained fa faithful and you've pressed into the Lord. And, and you've experienced and seen, I trust in a new way, God's faithfulness uh, through this transition. I'm thankful for Eric and for Laura and Fred and Carolyn for all of the staff for Ted and the vestry and Marty and the search team and all, each and every one of you really that's pressed in in prayer and hung in seeking God's will and God's desire for this community. Today's kind of the culmination of that. It's the, the marking of a new beginning. And as I remind you often, uh, and all of the churches that I visit, uh, you're not alone in this. The, the churches in the Carolinas have been praying for you. And so today they're joining with us in this celebration of, of what God is doing in this place. Uh, one of the things that happens when you see a bishop, it may not all be good, but one good thing maybe <laughs> that comes out of seeing a bishop is just the reminder that, that we're part of something bigger than ourselves. That the church is more than just the local church. The local church is the front line. It's the place that God does his best work. But it's, you're not alone. You're not isolated. Uh, you have the wider church that's cheering you on and praying for you and there for you. And I want you to know that they are celebrating with us today. We've just heard uh, several scriptures, and I really uh, want to touch on each of the three primary scriptures that we've heard today, because I believe they give us some guidance for what it is uh, that we're celebrating. We began with that Joshua 1 reading, and we heard the Lord's words to Joshua at that critical moment. There's been lots of these critical moments of transition. That was a very critical moment of transition for the people of God. You remember the story, don't you? Moses had led the people of Israel out of Egypt, 
And uh, they were supposedly going to the promised land, but they found themselves for a generation in the wilderness. In the wilderness because of why? Because of their own disobedience. And yet they stood uh, kind of on the edge of the promised land, unable to go in. And Moses, in that moment, remember, sent out the 12 spies to go over and kind of uh, report back on what they see in the land that God was calling them to take. And the spies came back and they said, these Amorites are like, they're like giants. We're like grasshoppers. The Lord has brought us out here in order to destroy us. It wasn't a good report. It was a bad moment. And yet, and yet uh, the reality was that what they reported back was true. I mean, the odds were against Israel. The enemy was real and formidable. They were giants on the other side of the Jordan. But two spies came back and they had a different report, Joshua and Caleb. You remember that. They came back and their report was one of confidence that the Lord gives the victory. That the Lord will take us into this promised land. That it's his work. And Joshua ultimately, as we hear in this first chapter, uh, was appointed to be the leader. Moses couldn't go, but Joshua led the people of Israel into the promised land. Now, I got to say for Joshua, Moses' shoes were big shoes to fill. Uh, I got to say for Joshua, the enemy was huge. The task was ominous. And yet what really mattered at that moment is the word that God spoke to Joshua. God was calling the people of Israel to take the promised land. It was to be theirs. It was time for them to, to stop camping out and to move out. And so often that happens to us, doesn't it? We get comfortable camping out in the church of Jesus. And God's call to us is to move out. And the reality is the enemy is huge. And that we do live in a land of giants. But, but it was what God said to Joshua that I want all of us to hear today. Only be strong and very courageous, he says, verse 7. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have success wherever you go. What the Lord is saying is that, that we find our strength and our courage. This wasn't just for Joshua. In the reality that he's in what we're doing. That the promised land wasn't Israel's idea. It was God's idea. And the mission was God's mission. And so when he says be strong and courageous, it's because he's in it. And he says, so what you need to do, Joshua, what we need to do as the people of God is not turn to the right or to the left, but to keep him and his word right in front of us. And God gave a promise. He said, when you do that, you will have success. He said, wherever you go. There won't be a misstep. If you're, if you're looking at me, if you're focused on me, if you're stepping into the mission and call that I've given you, you will have success. And we know as people 
of Christ, that the success that God's talking about is not necessarily the world's understanding of success, but it's, it's God's. It's success in his work and for his glory. So I have to ask Joel, are you kind of feeling it? You're leading the people of God in the land of giants. That's what we live in. We live in a culture that's opposed to, to the Christian faith and the, the values of God's people. There are giants out there, and yet God is calling us. He's calling King of Kings to move out in mission, to take back what belongs to him, to redeem the lost and serve the poor and proclaim the gospel and expand the kingdom. To, to build and nurture here at King of Kings a, a community that transforms lives with the love of Jesus. Verse 8, the Lord continues. He says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You see, the, the book of the law that, that the, the Lord is speaking of here isn't just a kind of a collection of arbitrary law. That, that book of the law was the Pentateuch. It was the first five books of the Bible. And it's, it's, it, the association we have too often with book of law is just kind of laws. But no, what you have in the, the opening of the, the old covenant scriptures is the narrative of the creator God calling his people into covenant relationship with him. It's about relationship and living under the reign of God and, and experiencing his favor and his love. And, and so that's what the Lord is asking Joshua to do, to, to meditate on God's goodness and God's faithfulness and God's call and God's work and to live in this covenant relationship that he's invited us into. How does that work itself out for the New Testament church. For us, it's to keep the word of God. Those things that God says about himself and about us central in our life together. It's applicable to us today. Verse nine, he continues. He said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. There it is again. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. You see, our text says that, that we understand, that we believe, that we trust that God is with us wherever we go. And the implication of that is huge. Because the mission that King of Kings has been given the life that God has called you to is not your own, it's his. It's not your mission, it's his mission. It's not your success, it's his success. And it's not our church, it's not your church, not my church, it's his church. And so we step into the reality that he is with us that he is present in our life together, that he is gathered with us when we come together in worship. And of course, that promise of, of God being with us is even greater as the new covenant community 
Because how much more could God be with us than to have taken on human flesh, to have come as one of us, Emmanuel, God with us. It was the incarnation of Christ. And now God has poured out his spirit through Christ, through his cross, and that spirit takes up residency in us. If God was with Joshua, how much more for us as new covenant believers is God with us? The Holy Spirit living in us, dwelling in us. The Lord Jesus Christ present with us. And Jesus in our gospel reading, John chapter 15, beginning at verse 9, said this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You see, dearly beloved, there is still a promised land for us. There's still a place where people know that they're God's own possession. And what we call it is the new heaven and the new earth. And the reality is we're on the same march, the same kind of march throughout history. And we're moving to a promised land. It's not the physical promised land. It's the spiritual promised land. It's the day when the new heaven and the new earth come together. When Christ pulls together all of history and wraps it up. And the reality for us on this march to the promised land is that there is an enemy out there, much worse than the Amorites. There is the, the, the power of darkness, though defeated on the cross of Calvary, that still prowls around this world seeking to kill and to destroy and to steal and to rob us of the life that Jesus has come to give. But the call of Jesus is the same. He says, abide. It's relationship. Abide in my love in such a way that that love overflows into your lives with one another. You see, it's, it's, it's his love that lives in us. It's not our love. John says that we love because he first loved us. And so it is an overflow of the love that we find in the person of Jesus that manifests itself in the people of God. Verse 12, he continues, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. You see, God in Christ has demonstrated his love. And it's on the cross that we find it. A self-giving love, an agape love, a love that, that lays down its life for his friends. And what God has called us now through the cross and through faith in Jesus Christ, he's brought us in as his friends. Love one another, abide in me, abide in my love, Jesus says. May that be the, the characteristic mark of this people at King of Kings. 
abiding in the love of Christ and loving one another with that same kind of love. In our Romans 12 reading, the Apostle Paul is kind of working all of this out, the teaching of Jesus, the the unfolding plan of God, marching towards a promised land. He's working it out in the life of the New Testament church, and the image that he, he uses is a penetrating image. He, he calls us to offer our lives as living sacrifices. It's one thing to, to offer your life and to die. But what Paul's calling us to do is to live and offer our lives. Living sacrifices. All of life, Paul says, is worship. This is our spiritual worship. The ways that we live, the ways that we sacrifice, the ways that we love is our worship to God. And he goes on and says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect? You see, for Paul, it's not just a matter of us receiving salvation. Then we just kind of, you know, live life and wait around until we go to heaven. No, that's not Paul's vision of the Christian life at all. It's a great thing to receive the gift of life but, and eternal life. But, but Paul sees us kind of stepping into this uh, life where we're being continually shaped and continually renewed and transformed. And he says that so much of that is by the way we think. Continually being renewed in such a way that we offer our lives back as living sacrifices. <clears throat> See, I don't know about you, but I need the community. I need the people of God to, to, to live out that kind of transformation. I can't do it in myself. I, my heart is prone to wander, like the hymn says. And so I need the people of God to encourage me and call me back into that life. And then Paul employs one of his favorite metaphors for the church in this, in this Romans passage. He says in verse 4 of that 12th chapter, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have the same function, so though many uh, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us. And then he goes through and he lists not all of the gifts, but some of them. Prophecy in proportion to faith, service and serving, teaching, exhortation, contributing generosity, leading with zeal, acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You see, Paul's image, and we have to remember this, for the church of God, the people of God, is we are the body of Christ. That we're individually, each and every one of us, members of that body, and each and every one of us is important to the function of that body. Every member has a gift. Every member has an important contribution to make. And part of the life of the church is identifying and releasing those gifts. And so Paul calls us to, to be living sacrifices by using the gifts that God's given us. And living in an inter interdependent way, remembering that every member is important and every member is called to be active in ministry. And then Paul 
paints beautifully what that kind of church looks like. And I think that uh, you guys will resonate with this because I've experienced it here at King of Kings. This kind of marks of, of true Christian living. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful, be fervent in spirit, rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, show hospitality, bless those who persecute you, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly, never be wise in your own sight, repay no one evil for evil, and so on. What is that? That's the life of Jesus lived out in the people of Jesus. It's the character of Christ manifest in the people of Christ. And that only happens through the power and person of the Holy Spirit. It is that spirit who God has given us in Christ who takes up residency in us and begins to shape our lives. And and we we, we begin to bear the family resemblance of our father and his son Jesus. Joel and the people of King of Kings, here's my charge. Here's what the scriptures are saying. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous for the word of God and the sake of Jesus and his mission. Cling to God's word. Move out in mission. Take the land. Take the land for the sake of those who do not yet know Christ in Charlotte. And do it by abiding in his love by living and loving one another in his love, by finding your joy in him. Be living sacrifices. Worship God with all of your lives. Continually be shaped and renewed, discerning what God's will is, that good, acceptable, and perfect will. Joel, don't just do the ministry, but release it in these members. Fan the flame of the Holy Spirit in each and every life and heart and member of this community. And may all of this be to the praise and glory and honor of our loving Father, our blessed Savior, Jesus Christ, and the life-giving Holy Spirit. Let us pray.